we thought, how can, what would be good to get together? And then uh, Tyler called me, and he's like, Yankees coming back through. I'm like, how awesome would that be? And so we, we worked it out. And so, like I said, I talked a little bit about him earlier, and, and he's going to tell you a, a ton about him. And you've heard Greg, you know, some of you guys that were at Lead the Cause heard the story about, uh, about how Yankee has affected his family and how he wouldn't be who he is if Yankee didn't do the things he did. And so, uh, in turn, that comes on down because there was a point in my life where Greg spoke into me, and I wouldn't be standing here today if Yankee hadn't took that that many years ago. And that's just, and that's the reason we spend time in this gospelized moment and ask, have you told somebody about Jesus? Because it can be, I mean, you're talking about families that are affected for generations uh, because of your boldness to take a stand for Jesus. And, and so I'm going to ask Yankee to come on up, and uh, I'm just going to turn it over to him. Look at that picture right there. That's a face for radio. No. <laughs> Am I on? There you are. It is good to be here. At my age, it's good to be anywhere. <laughs> in January, I was in the hospital, ICU, for two weeks, rehab for a week, with COVID, and I was right there at the pearly gates. And I asked the Lord, I says, well, do you want me to come on in or do you want me to stay on this side? I says, if you're through with me, 80 years is a long time to live. And I'm thankful I've had a good life. I says, but if you've got something for me to do, i just soon stay and see if I can get some more people to trust the Lord. But I don't want to stay on this side and just sit soaking sour and sit on the beach and zip my... You know, slip my lemonade. I, I want to do something. So the Lord left me here. So I figured I got a, maybe a couple of years left. But while I am here, I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. I want to play a little harmonica special for you first. Because I find out playing the harmonica is good for building your lungs if you've had COVID. And this is called Name That Tune. What I mean is if you can figure out what I'm playing, God bless you. My biggest goal has always been tell them how you can know you have eternal life. 
talking to lost people about where you're going to go when you die. Yesterday morning, I got out of bed. I went across where we're sitting at the RV park. And in come these two guys that worked at the trailer park. I guess they work at all of them. And anyway, they had on their vest and their little hats and all that. And uh, so we came outside, and the bottom fell. I'm talking about it rained. I couldn't even get to my RV. They couldn't leave. They, their trucks, so, so they just stood there. Now, is this a good opportunity or not? They're not going anywhere. <laughs> so I got, I, got a, I got a couple of victims. Now, the way I lead people to the Lord as a one-on-one -on -one is the same way I do it when I'm in a congregational meeting. I don't change the message. I don't even change the way I do it. I do it exactly the same way that I've been doing it for almost 60 years. And so I stand there, I looked at this guy, and the other guy was a little shorter, but he was standing back. I looked at him, I says, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I says, where are you gonna go when you die? Now you said, you, you mean just like that? You just, boom. Of course. I don't beat around a bush. I ain't got time to play tiddlywinks with him. I want to know, where are you going to go when you die? He said, well, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, um, uh, well, I hope to heaven. I says, that means you're not going. I says, because when you know, you know. And since you don't really know, you ain't going. You say, you don't tell him that. Yes, I do. You can't get a man saved till you get him lost. <laughs> and so I told him very quickly, you can't know you're going there until you know you can't go there. I said, you can't know you're going there until you know you can't go there. Now, let's pretend you had asked me, Yankee, where are you going when you die? I said, I'm going to heaven. You said, well, how do you know? Because I've been good? No. How do you know you're going to heaven? Because I can't go there. And how come I can't go to hell? It's impossible for me to go to hell. Because, you see, if people only understood, and I looked at him and I told him what exactly I'm going to tell you right now. And I says, isn't it true you've heard almost all your life that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world? I says, you've heard that, right? He said, yeah. I says, think. If he paid for all the sins of the world, mine, yours, and everybody's, why do I have to go to hell and pay for my sins if he already paid for my sins. Duh, they don't think. I said, now think about this. Why did he pay for my sins? Because he didn't want me to do it. And whenever he was here 2,000 years ago and died for me, he paid for all of my sins that I haven't even committed yet. Because all my sins were in the future. So 2,000 years ago, Christ paid for all of my sins. From the time I'm born to the time that I die, he paid for all of them. That means that he loved me so much that he'd rather die than live without me. And I looked at that guy and says, he loves you so much, he would rather die than live without you. I says, and he came back from the dead. And the only thing he wanted you to do about what he did is would you believe he did it for you? So when you believe he did it for you, he puts that payment he made to your account. I says, the reason that I can't go to hell because I don't have any sins to pay for. And the reason I can't go to hell in the future, he paid for those too. 
I have a payment for how many of my sins? All of my sins. How many of my sins did he pay for? All my sins. So when I accepted Christ as my Savior, he gives me as a free gift what kind of life? Eternal life. If it's eternal life, how long does it last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where are you going to go when you die? To heaven. So I looked at this guy. And I said, are you following what I'm saying? He said, yes, I am. I said, well, let me ask you this. When Christ came back from the dead and all he wanted you to do is believe he did it for you, I says, can you handle that? And I look him right dead in the eye. Can you handle that? I don't have prayer with him. I don't have an aisle for him to walk down. I don't sign a card. I'm talking about eyeball to eyeball. I says, can you handle that? He says, yes, I can. I says, if you'll believe it. Ten years from now, if I walk up here and you're still doing the same job, and I asked you, where are you going when you die? What would you tell me? He says, heaven. I said, how do you know? Five words. Christ paid for my sins. That is the only answer anybody can ever give. That's the truth. That's the only reason you're going to heaven. Either you believe he did it for you or you're not going. All the other reasons do not amount to a hill of beans. So when you're talking to a lost man, you want them to know when you get through, where are you going you die, and how do you know? And the way I win people to Christ is the way, and I believe the best way, to explain the gospel. See, there's only one true gospel. There's only one thing a man has to do to go to heaven, and that's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe what? Believe that he paid for my sins. Christ coming back from the dead with the scars in his feet and in his hands, that's the living proof of payment. Christ is my receipt, and I have accepted this receipt paid in full. That's how I know I'm going to heaven because I cannot go to hell. Do you understand so far what I'm saying? This means yes. This means no. This means yes. Now, years ago, I met a guy who came to our youth work. He wasn't supposed to be there, but he would sneak in anyway. He'd get on the bus because I was picking up his older brother, Doug. And my daughter was the bus captain. I was a driver. And we would run in a youth ministry on Thursday nights. And we was running about 10, 12 buses. And we would have an average of 450 teenagers every Thursday night. When I had high days, we'd have over 900 teenagers. We'd have junior high and senior high, and then we'd have to split them all up because it was just too many for our room. And so this one little kid, his name was Greg Steer. And Greg Steer, the mom put him in our school. Well, Greg Steer came to everything that we did. He was sticking his nose in where he's not supposed to, he wasn't old enough, but he would do it. He was a poor kid. He didn't have much. And I know all about his background. Yes, I led Jack Mathias to the Lord. Jack Mathias was a big macho man, built kind of like myself. <laughs> you know how I used to build up my muscles? I used to fill the bathtub full of water and I pull the plug and then fight the current. But anyway, Now, y'all are slow. That is, that is slow. I had a strap in physique, and the straps broke. <laughs> but anyway, but Greg came to our meetings. 
and he wound up going into our Christian school. He graduated from our Christian school. Now, I remember one day that Greg was out there standing alongside the fence because there was some farmland, and he's standing there with this good-looking girl, and she owned that land, her mom did, and there's two horses out there, and so Greg's standing there with this girl, and uh, she looks out there, and these two horses were rubbing their noses together. She looked at Greg, and she says, I like to do that. He says, go ahead, they're your horses. <laughs> some people just don't know how to take, you know, the initiative. Now, some people wonder, like, Yankee, where did you get the name Yankee? Have you even tried to figure that out yet? How in the world would somebody name you Yankee? Well, my daddy was a bootlegger. Means he made white lightning. Um, he was 31 years old when he married my mom, who was 14. So my mom was 14 years old when she got married. By the time she was 23 years old, she had six kids. I was number three. She was 17 when I was born. And so my mama was a rebel, born in Georgia. My daddy was a rebel born in Georgia. The first two girls were born in Georgia. Everybody was a rebel. But my dad was always on the run from the law. He spent most of his time in the chain gang. I said, what's that? Well, that's another story. Yeah. I could say my mother was in the, and dad was in the iron and steel business. My mother ironed and my dad, well, anyway. <laughs> he wound up going to Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, I was born. And when I was born, I had long, straight black hair all over my body. I had sideburns. I had hair going down my back, two feet under my arms. I was hairy all over. My daddy says I looked like a little monkey. He says I was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen in his life. Now, my dad had never seen Chris. <laughs> but he, my dad was going to put me in a burlap sack and throw me in a river and drown me. People say, is that true? Of course it's true. I wouldn't lie to you for anything in the world. Raise my right hand. Now, my, my mom wouldn't let him, but the doctor came to the house and looked at me, looked at my dad, says, my, my, my. He looks just like his daddy, don't he? So my daddy cussed, he called me a blankety-blank Yankee. And that's how I got my name, mm, Yankee. I never used my first name. <laughs> Six months later, we wound up moving to Georgia, and so I've been shot at from both sides for the last 80 years. But when I went to school, I never heard anything about the Lord. I never saw my mom and dad in a church. I never saw them read a Bible. I never heard them have prayer. I never heard the words, I love you. But whenever I got into school and I'd heard a little bit about hell, one thing I wanted is not to go there. And I knew that, boy, girls, why did God have to make girls so pretty? But I was afraid of girls because I was told, if you like girls, you'll get in trouble and then you go to hell. I said, well, I don't want to go to hell. So I would just like girls from a distance. You know where you just look at them across the room. And you know what puppy love is? Puppy love is where you just look at them and go. And it's just, oh, it aches. Oh, it just aches. But now, that puppy love can lead to a dog's life. Now, let me tell you this. The real thing is whenever you look at them and go, 
Girls, when a guy does that, run for your life and don't look back for 30 years. But anyway, I always wanted, you know, to really like girls, but I was always afraid. I did have this one girlfriend, but she had a fascinating right eye. The left one kept looking at it. <laughs> she was so cross-sided that every time she cried, the tears would run down her back. It was, it was They call it bacteria. But can you follow me around on my trips? It would be but let me tell you this now. Whenever I first saw Betty, my, my wife, uh, I, I, I pressed my lips close to hers. I could not help but linger. I ran my hands through her hair, and a cootie bit my finger. So you need to be very careful. But I had this one girl. She had a big lower lip. You ever seen those Ubangis over in Africa? They got the big, you can put a plate in it, you know? But she had a great big lip. But I didn't care because her upper lip covered it. <laughs> but anyway, you know how she died? She was driving a car down the highway. She rolled the window down, stuck her head out the window, and her lips beat her face to death. Now, when I first saw my girlfriend, she was 16, I was 17. And I told my mom, I said, I'm going to marry that girl. So I didn't know she was, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know her name. I just saw her run up over this hill. It was the prettiest thing I ever saw. And I was afraid somebody else was going to get her. I got to move fast. So I, uh, I found out she had a boyfriend. And I went and met with him, took care of that. <laughs> and then I went after Now, see, see remember, I, I never finished school. I finished the 10th grade. I didn't go to 11th grade. My dad was still there. <laughs> no. So I found that this, this girl lived next door. <laughs> I went after her like a martin to a gourd. And I, and I went and asked her dad. I said, can I, can I marry your daughter? Truth. He said, no. I says, why? He says, because you don't have a job. You don't have a place to live. And you don't have any money. And her mother spoke up. And she said, and you're a bum. Everything they said was true. I was the last hope for anybody. Nobody would give me their daughter to marry. So we did the only sensible thing. We ran away and got married. Ran off to Anderson, South Carolina. Got married by the Justice of the Peace, and then I found out it was the Secretary of War. But when we walked out of the courthouse, my Betty looked at me and she said, she says, did you pay him anything? I says, no. So we walked back in. I said, how much do I owe you? He said, well, how much is she worth? I says, is $5 all right? He says, that work. I said, Betty, give me $5. <laughs> I married her for her money. She had 17 bucks. You know, 62 years ago, that's a lot of money. But when we got off the bus there, her dad came looking for me with a gun. He was going to park my soul in eternity. And I wasn't ready for eternity. I wasn't ready for anything. But he wound up leading me to the Lord. I didn't know he was a Sunday school teacher in the Baptist church for 20 years. But he explained to me the best news I ever heard in my whole life. So that night, I trusted Christ. As my savior, I was 18 then. 
And after I trusted Christ as my Savior, I wanted to tell everybody how to go to heaven. I thought everybody needs to know this. I found out not everybody wants to hear it, but everybody still needs to know it. I was up in a place in Minnesota. In Minnesota, we had conducted a camp working with teenagers, you know. And I was tired. I was weary, but I had to go by in the town and get some stuff. Then I stopped at a service station. And there was about four or five guys that was in the vehicle with me. I can't even tell you who they were. But they all got out, and they went over to see something that was going on. So I got out, and the guy came around says, what can I do for you? Back in those days, they used to open up the hood and check the oil and the water and things like that for you. So he had opened up the hood, and he said, what can I do for you? I said, check the oil. So he started checking the oil. And I started to walk off, and no, 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 no. I got me a victim. So I looked at him, and I says, do you know where you're going? You die. It always works. He looked at me and says, yeah. I says, where? He says, to hell. Oh, real smart. I started to walk off. I thought, just because he has to be mean and unkind and nasty, I don't have to be that way. So I walked back and fell under the car. He says, he says, how do you know? I said, how do I know what? He said, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, let me explain it to you. I pulled out my wallet. I said, now watch real close. Watch my hand. At no time will it ever leave my wrist. So he's, he's down there and he's, I says, this is you and me, this is sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin, we have to spend eternity and separate from God and hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect, but nobody's perfect. We've all sinned and come short of God's perfection. This hymn represents Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh, came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die, so he took our sins, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said the only thing he wanted us to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for you. I said, does that make sense to you? He said, yeah. I said, you believe it? He said, yeah, I believe it. I said, where are you going to go? He said, I'm going to heaven. I said, how do you know? He said, you just told me. <laughs> so I went on inside. Now I'm going to wait for him to finish, put some gas in it. So I went inside. I'm tired. I didn't even want to witness, but I do it sometimes because I'm not supposed to. So I went in there, and I leaned up against the wall. There was three teenagers in there. One over there, one over there, one over there, and a manager sitting there. So I leaned up against the wall. Next thing you know, the kid comes through the door. He looked over at me and gave me a big smile. He said, did you tell them? I says, tell them what? He said, you know. I said, no, I didn't tell them anything. He said, why, why didn't you tell them? I says, they don't want to know. He says, yeah, they want to know. I said, no, they, they don't want to know. This one kid says, no, what? I said, you really want to know? Yeah, I really want to know. Well, if you really want to know, let me show you something. I pull up my wallet. But this hand represents you and me, and this represents sin. We all have sin. I went through the whole thing again. When I got through, I said, does that make sense to you? He said, yes, it does. I said, well, you trust Christ as your Savior? Yes, I will. What about you? Yes, I will. What about you? Yes, I will. I looked at the man and said, what about you? He says, nah. You can't win them all. I got in the car and we left. People say, you can't lead people to the Lord like that. You do it your way and I'll do it my way. I have led people to the Lord for over 60 years. And I've had them trust Christ as Savior. Most of the people I lead to Christ is within three minutes. Don't take a long time. When you leave off all that other junk, you don't need it. One of the things that I do not tell kids to do, I don't tell adults to do it. 
Because you see, if you give them the pure gospel without anything added to it, remember the truth of the gospel, it has to be by grace. Grace means it has to be free and it has to last forever. It has to be free. It cannot include any man's works. You're not saved by any works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of what? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works means, and if he says, it is not of yourself, it means how you live does not determine your destination. And yet you believe that most people believe that how you live determines whether you go to heaven or hell. And it's not true. So that's why you'll have sometimes people telling people, you want to go to heaven? Yes, give them the good news. You want some good news? Yeah, keep the Ten Commandments. Is that good news? Not good news. Why? Nobody's ever kept the Ten Commandments, and you're not going to be one of them. That's bad news, not good news. You don't tell somebody to do the impossible. For example, some people tell them, what, you've got to repent, turn from your sins. Think what you're saying. What did you just say? Stop being bad. Turn from your sins means stop sinning. Do you have to stop sinning in order to go to heaven? No, it's like asking a dog. You stop acting like a dog and I'll make you a chicken. That works for salvation because you have to do something to qualify for God's grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You can't buy it. It's the gift of God. If it's a gift, it's free. So then you'll have some people say, you know, you've got to stop being bad. How else do you add works to the gospel? Getting a person, you must commit your life to Christ. That's a wonderful testimony. That's a wonderful thing for every child of God to do. And it is the will of God for all of God's children to depart from iniquity, but not to be saved. You don't commit your life to Christ to be saved. You don't have to, well, he's got to be Lord of all. I've never met a person yet that's made Christ the absolute master of every area of their life. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord of all. That's works for salvation. I'm at the age where I don't apologize for my gospel. I never have. I've always been bold. That's how I was able to lead a lot of people to the Lord that other people overlook because they don't tell them the truth of the gospel. They're afraid they're going to get people just to live in sin. Well, I believe what I believe, and I've done my dead level best since I've trusted Christ as my Savior to live a life that's godly, holy, separated to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have no desire to go doing anything I want to do. I tell people, you can trust Christ as your Savior. Love the Lord with all your heart, and you can live like you please because I chose to please the Lord. Is there anything wrong with that? If I go to church because I know that pleases God, anything wrong with that? If I read God's word because that pleases God, is anything wrong with that? No. So I live to please God, but I can live as I please. Most people live as they please. You're going to do whatever you think really pleases you, and it pleases me to please God. So you may choose to be rebellious. You can be a rebellious child of God. Just like I told my wife, I said, isn't it wonderful? God's given us three children the hard way, one wife. And so these three kids, my daughter's 61. My daughter is 61 years old. Can you believe that? She keeps pushing me up over this hill. But when she's obedient, she's my child. 
She's disobedient. She belongs to Betty. No, she's still my child. Regardless of how she lives, she's still my child. And when you trust Christ as your Savior, yes, you have a new birth. Born into God's family. Let me show you something very quickly. No extra charge for this. When you were born into this world, that's your flesh birth. You're born into the world. And when you were born into this world, you were born with a sinful nature. It means you sin naturally. Your parents did not have to teach you how to sin, did they? It comes naturally. Well, then God says there is none righteous, not one. There's none that seeketh after God, not one. God says in Romans 9 and verse 8, he says, They which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. God is your God and your creator, but he is not your father, you're not his child. So God says, Jesus, when he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That which is of the flesh is flesh. You need a new birth, spiritual birth. So he says, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So the day you trusted Christ as your Savior, God didn't change this one. He gave you a new birth, a spiritual birth, and you can't see it, but it's born of God. And the thing about this flesh birth, let's say, for example, you came here tonight, and you have your flesh birth. That's what I see. That's what you see. And let's say you looked in the mirror before you came, and you were ugly. You came to church. You understood. You trusted Christ as your Savior. When you go back home, look in the mirror. You're still ugly. God did not change this. Your sinful nature is in your flesh. But your new birth, born of God. This one is divine. And because it's born of God, you see, you had to have another birth that doesn't have a sinful nature. This birth doesn't have a sinful nature because it's born of God. God doesn't have a sinful nature. So your second birth, born of God, doesn't have a sinful nature. It can't sin. If it can't sin, can't die. Can't die. How long will you be a child of God? Forever. So that's why when you want to serve the Lord and do what's right, you also have this old sinful nature dwelling inside of you. And there's a war going on all the time. Well, how do you get victory in the Christian life? There's a boxing ring right here. See this boxing ring? You've got to have a mind's eye. You've got a picture. There it is right there. And over here in this corner, you have Mike Tyson. You see Mike Tyson? Bad man. He eats ears for breakfast. He's bad man. Now, over here, this old sinful nature you have is like having a Mike Tyson inside of you. He dominates the ring. And, buddy, he could dominate the ring. He was a bad man. And he's in this ring. You trusted Christ as your Savior, and God took this new birth, this little child, and put him in that ring. That's what this body is. So inside of me, I got a Mike Tyson, and I've got a new birth, a child of God. How is this child of God going to have victory over this old sinful nature that I got? And many of God's children never have victorious Christian lives. But you know, whenever God gave you that new birth and put you in that ring, he also sent along the Holy Spirit and he placed him inside of this ring with you. And he tells you, if you listen to me and walk after the Spirit, I know how to handle Mike Tyson. And if you will listen to the Lord and he wants to 
teach you the word of God, then you can have victory in your Christian life. And as you go through life, you'll find out you still have this old sinful nature. And he'll come up beside of you and knock you up off your feet and show you just how bad you are and how dirty you are and wicked you are and sinful you are. And you can still have all the sinful thoughts you've ever had since you trusted Christ as your Savior. But you want to have victory. So whenever you say, you know, I think I'll, I think I'll go to church. No, you won't. You're going to stay home and watch Batman. So you have a battle going forth. And this one over here, uh, I think I'll have me a Coors. No, you're not. You're going to have milk. So you got the lift. So if you want to get strong, then you've got to feed him from spiritual food. That's why you need to be at every service you can so you can feed upon the word of God and get to be strong. But some Christians are so spiritually skinny, they could use a Cheerio for a hula hoop. <laughs> you want to become strong in the Lord. And if you'll become stronger in the Lord, when this one says, I think I'll shut up. And so for 62 years, I've had victory in my Christian life because I understand what's going on. And most people don't know that this is truth and it is real. Your new birth, you cannot see it. That's why there is no evidences of the Christian life. There's no evidence that it proves you're a child of God by looking at the external appearance of whatever somebody does. Because after a while, you find out every one of you have sin in your life. And if you try to use your life as the proof that I know I'm saved, a lost man can produce exactly the same evidence. Does that prove he's saved? You say, well, I go to church. Lost man can. I read my Bible. Lost man can. I can pray. Lost man can. What can you do that a lost man can't do that would prove the evidence that you're really saved? So someone that says you're really saved or truly saved, those words really and truly is add works to the salvation. You've got to produce the works. No, you're struggling in your Christian life. So I don't judge that a person is saved or lost by how they live. I go by what are you trusting in to get you to heaven. If you trusted Christ as your Savior, God says you have eternal life, and he said he'll never cast you out and never lose you. And that's the most important thing that you can ever know and ever have in your whole life. Now, if all this is true, and I do believe it is, I was going through Minnesota, not Minnesota, I was going through North Dakota. I had finished preaching in Minnesota. I was going through North Dakota, dead of wintertime. I'm driving a Volkswagen, a Volkswagen up north, <laughs> 70 degrees below zero. You know, when that thing finally died, I sent it to the old Volks home. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, they took a Volkswagen and they crossed it with a comet and they got a bomb and it had threw up top and eight pukey colors. But anyway, it doesn't have much heat. And I thought, I'm going to freeze to death because it was freezing outside. It's really cold. But I'm by myself. And I thought, I got to keep enough gas in this thing to keep it going. And I pulled into the service station. I finally saw one. I pulled into the service station, and I parked it there at the gas pump. I went running inside, and I was freezing. And I noticed these two young college kids in there. And I noticed behind they had some coffee. I said, can I have a cup of coffee? They said, sure. So I got me a cup of coffee. And I started drinking. Oh, did it taste good. Oh, did it taste good. Some of y'all will be old enough one of these days you can drink a cup of coffee. It's okay. And I drank a cup of coffee. And I 
The guy's over there, he says, what can I do for you? I says, fill it up. Boy, well, I'm glad they used to do that. Go out there and fill it up. Freezing outside. So he went out there and he filled it up. I'm drinking my coffee. He got through it. He came back in. He asked me, he says, um, where are you from? I says, Colorado. Well, where are you been? Because from the way it directed, I didn't. I says, Minnesota. He said, what was you doing over in Minnesota? I says, over in Minnesota, telling people how they can know beyond a shadow of a doubt they can have eternal life by simply accepting the payment Jesus Christ made on the cross for them. You realize what I just said? A mouthful. Anyway, I looked out the window and I got me another cup of coffee. I'm trying to hit my bones, you know. And I can see in the reflection behind me there was a, a clock on the wall. And while I'm drinking my coffee, I looked over at him and I says, in less than five minutes, both you guys will know that you have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven when you die. And I looked out the window and drank my coffee. Oh, I'd love to set people up. Love to bait them a little bit. It didn't take long before one guy says, how do you know? How do I know what? In less than five minutes, we're supposed to both know well, how we're going to heaven when we die. I says, you really want to know? He said, yeah, I really want to know. Well, if you really want to know, I'm talking now. Let me show you something. And you know what I'm going to do? I looked at him. If there's one tool now, Greg Steer uses the six words, six letters of the gospel. True? Anybody in here ever been to one of his meetings? And uh, he will teach you how to do that. Where do you think he learned that from? <laughs> I taught him. Pay attention. He's teaching youth directors all over the nation on how to do what we used to do. Because the way we did it was so non-offensive. It was so easy to experience and to, to teach. In my youth group, I taught all the kids in both colleges that I've had. I'm president of a college now. I teach them how to win people to Christ. So I always say, now, let this hand represent you and me. Now, you try to follow me. Let this hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. And the Bible says that we have all sinned. And the wages of sin is what? Death, eternal separation from God. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you gotta be perfect. Nobody's perfect. But God says you cannot save yourself. So we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners, bad news. Wages of sin is death, bad news. Gotta be perfect to go to heaven, Bad news. Can't earn it. Bad news. Don't you think it's time for some good news? Number five, Christ died. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He loves us, hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, he didn't have to die. But why did he die? Because he loves us. So he took all the sin. How many? All the sin of how many? All the world. Don't you fall into this here Calvinism junk. That he'd only love some people and he'd have to die for it. No, that's, that's heresy. The Bible says Christ so loved the world and that means everybody. And he says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So when you believe he did it for you, 
He puts this payment to your account. And you get to go to heaven on what he did. Your sins are paid. That's why you get to go to heaven. Christ paid for my sins. You ever heard of a verse called John 3.16? Now let me just run through John 3.16 with you. Because you can sit in front of a person and look at him and say, let me explain something to you. This hand represents you and me. This hand represents Christ. And this wallet represents sin. The Bible says that God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Christ, that whosoever, open invitation to anybody, whosoever does what? Believe. Believe what? That he paid for their sins. You believe it. He gives you two guarantees in John 3, 16. One, you shall not perish. Now, if you know John 3, 16, you know I didn't make it up. It's right there. And then he says, but have what? Everlasting life. So two guarantees. If you'll believe it, anybody in the world. So I can't witness to the wrong person. I can't tell them a false message because this is the true message. That God wants everybody in the world to know that Christ paid for all their sins and all they have to do is believe he did it for them. So when you believe he did it for you, you know I don't have any sins to pay for. I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did for me. And there's a world out there that don't know it. What I tried to teach Greg and the other kids are teenagers. Teenagers reach teenagers. Not youth directors. Teenagers reach teenagers. Because when you're for something, they'll be for it. You're against it, they're against it. You can do all kinds of things. There's such power in your hands. But teenagers need to have, and whenever I run in my youth group, I would always try to get them sold on one thing. Your friends, if they die the way they are, they're going to hell. Do you care? I would teach those kids things that you would learn in college because I had a college at the same time, so I'd teach them all the same thing. And I wanted those kids to know the most important thing you can ever do in life is to tell somebody how to go to heaven. I led a girl to the Lord just the other day in a restaurant. I set her up, but she didn't know she was being set up. She came to the table. I'm sitting over the preacher. And I says, how much is coffee? She says, I'm fine. I said, how much is a refill? She said, oh, they're free. I said, okay, I'll take a refill. You say, I never tried that before. Try it one of these days. I did that in a Wendy's one time. I was driving on the road. It's late at night. I'm tired. I need some coffee. I went in and I said, how much is coffee? She said, 52 cents. I said, how much is a refill? They're free. Okay, I'll take a refill. That poor girl. <laughs> okay. So she got me a cup of coffee and she gave it to me. I paid her for it because I just love having fun. Because <laughs> I always want to get, I said, ma'am, <clears throat> Like I was talking to that waitress, I says, ma'am, I said, when you get a chance, we get all our food done, I want you to come to my table, and I want you to give me two minutes. I want you to give me two minutes. If you've got everything done, and you've got two minutes you can spare. I said, will you do that? She said, yes, I will. She got all the work done, all the stuff done, and she came back to the table. She said, okay. See, sometimes you just got to tell them what to do. And I says, ma'am, 
if you died right now, where would you go? She said, well, I sure hope I'm going to heaven. I said, wouldn't no one be better? I said, let me tell you this. Isn't it true that you've heard all your life that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world? She says, yeah. I says, if he paid for all the sins of the world, mine, yours, and everybody, why should I have to go to hell and pay for my sins if he already paid for my sins? You see, you will go to hell if you don't accept that payment he made for you. He's paid for your sins, but it's not put to your account till you believe it. He said, he that believeth hath everlasting life. And so whenever I got through talking to her, I said, then, if I came in here 10 years from now, and I looked at you and I says, where are you going to die? What would you tell me? She says, I'm going to heaven. And she gave me a big smile. I said, how do you know? Christ died for my sins. I said, ma'am, that's the only answer you need to give because that's the only reason that's the truth. Why am I going to heaven? Am I going to heaven because I'm a preacher and I travel all over the world? No. I'm not, a pre I'm not going to heaven because I go to church and I give money and I try to help teenagers. I'm going to heaven because I trusted Christ as my Savior. He paid for my sins. Make it simple. You ever heard of keep it simple? Stupid? I'm not supposed to say it. But just keep it simple. Now, look up here. If I offered you my watch and you accepted, what would you have? A watch. When would you have it? When you accept it. Well, if I offered you my wallet and you accepted, what would you have? Empty wallet. <laughs> when would you have it? When you accept it. Well, now, if Christ walked in here right now and offered you eternal life and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. If it's eternal life, I know this is so hard for people to get. How long would it last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where are you going when you die? To heaven. You see, now as a child of God, you have a choice, just like I do. You can choose to be an obedient child or disobedient child, but you're still his child. My daughter, if she's obedient, she's mine. She's disobedient, she's still mine. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, God gives us choices. If I choose to be an obedient child, God said he'd bless my life here. Reward me when I get to heaven. If I choose to be rebellious, then God said I'm still his child. But he says he'll have to chasten me, discipline me, maybe even take me home before my time. Now, when I was growing up, I had a dad that whooped me an awful lot. I mean, whoop. That doesn't mean, don't do that no more. I'm talking about when you take a stick or something that's close to him and beat the living daylights out of me. I thought I died several times. Well, I think I did. But I'm talking about, my daddy wasn't a fisherman, but we did go on some whaling expeditions. And he would hold me by the hand, and when I saw that belt coming down, man, I'd jump as high as I can. And buddy, he'd just hit my legs, and then by the time I come down, he didn't come back, and now I'm catching up on the back of the head. I tell you, I've been better off if I just stood still and took my medicine. But I got whooped. I came to the conclusion, I've got a heavenly father who doesn't do me wrong. He's not unkind. He's not mean and ugly. My heavenly father loves me. And if I serve him, he said he'd bless my life. 
Well, after 60 years, I should be able to look back over my life and say, well, did he keep his word? You see, I learned a verse in the Old Testament in Psalms 37 and verse 4. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I decided that's what I'm going to do. So all these years later, I should be able to look over my life and say, did he ever keep his word? I delighted doing what God wanted, and he said he would give me the desires of my heart. I could not have planned a better life. God has been so good to me. He's done everything he said he was going to do for me. He has richly blessed my life. And I have had thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have trusted Christ all across this world. I have right now over, I get about five or ten people who trust Christ as Savior every day just from my YouTube ministry. We just started doing the podcast, and I've got over 3,000 messages on podcast, and I've got 109,000 plays in the last few months just from that alone. I'm on the radio in three places down in Florida and out in Colorado, and we're out there between, you know, 10, 15 million potentials up into Wyoming now. And with iHeart, it goes, I mean, people all over the world. And then you, some of y'all got a chance to meet a guy like Greg Steer. But when Greg Steer was in our youth meeting, he went to our camps. We had three camps every year, Christmas, Easter, and summer camp. Because you always got to have at least three camps to keep teenagers on their toes. Because they go to camp, they dedicate their life to the Lord, and then the next week they don't fizzle out. It don't take long. And then you go back and rededicate your rededicated dead, dedicated that died. But anyway, and so whenever I would have the Bible drills in camp, it was always, I would start a verse and see who could jump up first and finish the verse. And Greg Steer would always sit on the front row and he'd be on the edge of his seat. And whenever I would start off like, uh, I beseech you, he's up. And he would know that was in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And he would get, and he would take my money. And he would get more money. And all the other kids just said, because that was the only way he could get any money. But he applied himself. He was one of the sharpest kids I'd ever had go to our school. One day I'm walking down the hall, and I saw Greg Steer coming down. He's getting ready to go into his room. And I walk up to him, and I put my hand on his shoulder. And I says, Greg. God's going to use you to shake the world. See, I may not shake the world, but I want to shake the man that can shake the world. And I'm always looking for another Greg Steer or some young lady that says, I want to be used by God. You see, you can be a $5 pen or a three-cent pencil. A $5 pen, it looks good, it's expensive, but if it doesn't write and you have an important message to get done, You'll put that $5 pen down. You'll pick up that old faithful three-cent pencil. I'm just a three-cent pencil, but I've tried to be faithful to the Lord. God's not looking for some super bodies. He's just looking for a dedicated nobody. Somebody says, I want to be used by God. I want God to bless my life. I want to do something. And when you dedicate your life to the Lord, it's not dedicating your life just to sit in church. Dedicate your life just, I'm going to read more of the Bible. No, I dedicated my life to win souls. I want to pursue souls because I just want to get one from here and get them there, get them here and get them there. 
and I would rather them go in diapers than not at all. I just want to win people to the Lord. I find out God has a strange way of taking care of his kids, and I've got kids that I've led to the Lord all over the country. And it's a wonderful thing to know that you're doing the most important thing in all the world. I was always afraid that I would be a success at something that won't amount to a hill of beans a hundred years from now. I believe I have enough smarts, intellect, skills, ability, that if I put enough time into anything, I can succeed. Yeah, there's a little pride there. But when I lead a person to Christ, you realize it can't be undone. God can't change it. They can't change it. It's forever. It can't be annulled. That's why he says there's fruit unto life eternal. Fruit that you reach, they'll live forever. And one of these days when you get to heaven and to see the people that you reach because they heard the gospel through your lips, that's when I decided I'm going to Bible college. Yes, I went to Florida Bible College. I just wanted to learn how to tell people how to go to heaven. I wasn't content just sitting on the pew. Just content to sing. Now, some people can do that. That's fine. But I had to have more. I wanted God's will for my life. And you can't know the will of God for your life until you know the word of God. So the will of God is to know the word of God so you know the will of God. And that's why Greg went to Bible college. What if he hadn't have? Just think of how many people he's reaching. Some of y'all right here in this very room. Let's pray, shall we? I could talk all night, but I want you to think seriously about something. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Why not just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, say, I don't know you. I may never see you again. At my age, you may never see me again. But if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, will you, will you believe that when he died, he died for you and paid for your sins. And if you will believe that he did it for you, God said he'd save you and give you eternal life. Now, I'm not going to have you forward or embarrass you, but right where you're sitting, you say, Preacher, that made sense to me, and I definitely want to trust Christ as my Savior and know that I'm going to heaven, and I'd like for you to know, and I'd like for you to pray for me. If you've already trusted the Lord, you don't have to do it again. But if you've never done it before, would you trust him right now? Say, Preacher, that made sense, and yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior tonight. Would you just let me know by enough plaved hand? Just lift it up real quickly and just put it right back down. If you've already trusted the Lord, God bless you, hon. I appreciate that. God bless you. Just raise it real quick and put it right back down. Yes, God bless you and you. See, by you trusting Christ as your Savior, that means he gives you his free gift, eternal life. That payment he made, he puts it to your account. You get to go to heaven not because you're good. It's because he's so good and he loves you. And he says, your sins have been paid. You get to go to heaven. You're good to go. Anyone else before we close? Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us and for these teenagers, especially the ones that indicated that they would trust your Savior. By doing so, they become your child, your child for all eternity. You said you'd never cast us out and never lose us, that we can know that we're going to heaven because of what you've done for us. And I thank you, Lord, so much for Chris and his wife and the work and labor they put in trying to help and be a blessing to these young kids and give them some leadership and to help train them in the way that they should go. 
We ask your blessings upon them as a whole and also as individuals. Use each one, and I pray, Lord, that they understood enough that they'll know how to tell somebody how to go to heaven. So I ask your blessings upon them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.